Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. And as you can see, it is our week to have Pia and Colin with us. Welcome, Pia. Welcome, Colin. It's good to see you, too. Thank you. We're so happy to be here again. <laughs> say, say that again. Always fun to be on your show. Thank you. It's it's just fun to be able to broadcast and be together, even if it seems like I'm out of time this week. It is a weird, I have been in a weird time warp. Is anybody else out there feeling like they're in a time warp? Yes. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? Like I, I went to bed at a decent time last night and I couldn't go to sleep. Like I knew when I went to bed that I wasn't tired and I'm like, why am I not tired? I've had a long day. I was exercising all day because it was beautiful outside for a, a chunk of time here. Um, so there wasn't any real reason why I should be awake, but I couldn't go to sleep. And then I woke up at 5 a.m. and then I couldn't go back to sleep. But I went, oh, and I feel fine. It's weird. Well, we're having that very, very exact experience and in talking to people worldwide as we do on a daily basis we're hearing the same story from many people and ah. what we're getting from this is that the energies that are available now to humanity are changing everything and especially our normal sleep patterns where we can get not enough sleep sometimes feel perfectly okay sleep an entire night, wake up feeling tired. So we're getting <laughs> been there to this. Yeah, we're getting this, this really elastic sort of sleep change. And I, I think it's, we're just transitioning, we're changing. I think yeah. the point is that time is falling apart. Time oh. just not exist the way it has in the past. So we can't measure things by time in the same way anymore. Yeah. And we're not and it, you know, it doesn't help any that we changed ours or uh, we, you know, moved ahead, sprung ahead, as it were. Um, and I know there's a big uh, movement out there to stop doing that. And I think that's fabulous because I know that knocks me off my center for sometimes for up to a couple of weeks afterwards. And we just did this last Sunday. So I thought it would have been affecting me more then, but it seems like it's getting harder to deal with time as the days go by there's a global disruption because it comes in waves america changes their time and then two weeks later europe changes their time and then one week later australia changes its time so there's a bit of an up and down for you know about a month yeah for people especially if you're dealing with international time zones like we do all the time so right it, right it's absolutely still not a good thing for our biological clocks to do this time switch twice a year. It, it's no longer necessary. The only reason it happened was to give farmers another hour to take care of their, their crops at harvest time. I mean, that was the original idea for this. And the whole idea of family farming is, is completely gone at this point. And certainly agribusiness doesn't need this time change because they're so mechanized and they're, yeah. they're so 
overwhelmingly in control of worldwide agriculture that, that this doesn't really help anymore. It's really not necessary. Yeah. But I think what's worse is that at least, you know, here in Washington, where I am, they're looking at wanting to stay on daylight savings time. But then other states may decide they want to stay on standard time. And it just calls into question this whole idea of time and its meaninglessness, if you will. And you know what else I was gratified to hear this week? And this is, these are all things that for all of you guys that are listening this morning, these are things that are signs of the times, right? I, I love these, these things that show us that this evolution is in process and that we are in change. Uh, I read that France and a couple of other countries and, and uh, corporations are testing this idea of a four-day work week. Now, how fabulous would that be to not have so much productivity orientation so that we could have more time with our families or to play or to rest? Uh, I think it's an amazing movement that is uh, long overdue. Absolutely. France has, has been working for years on this idea. France has reduced their, their work hour weekly basically to 36 hours. That's already happened. Most people are not working a 40-hour week any longer in France. So yeah. this is a, the whole European idea of people working too hard too long is coming to an end. And we think that's fantastic. The Europeans also kind of laugh at the Americans who get two weeks of paid vacation a year. The Some, lucky ones. Sometimes three if they've been there forever and are about to retire. In Europe, they <laughs> 12 weeks a year, they get all kinds of holidays paid. They have yeah. maternity paid. They have for men. For paternity yes. paid for the men, as well as for the women. They have that. They have uh, personal time if you just need to regroup and you don't have a reason. It's paid. You know, there's lots of stuff that they do to support people being able to be the best they can be instead of making slaves out of them. And what right. they have... What they have seen over the years they've been doing this is productivity goes up when, when people are treated more humanely, when, when people get an adequate amount of vacation time, when they come back from however many months they've had off, they're raring to go and they yes. prefer much more satisfactorily to the corporate world. So it actually works. Yeah, they, be, they come back refreshed and, and clear again. And, you know, you are speaking the words of the Aquarian age, right? Everything that you just said, I could have said, oh, that's Aquarius. Oh, that's Aquarius. Oh, that's Aquarius. Uh, because it is a sign, you know, and our, our energies began, you know, back in December with the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius. So it was bound to change our ideas around uh, what, what constitutes humanity and how how could we better support one another as humans on the planet? And then boom, we start hearing about all of these different things that, you know, in the end are supportive, are geared around making it easier to be a human, to, to live in uh, a, a more natural rhythm and cycle rather than these forced cycles that we've been in, the mechanized cycles that we've been in. Yes. And we're moving into a really exciting period, starting with equinox. We have equinox, which is, you know, balance between day and night. Isn't that also balance in all areas of our life and nature just setting the way for us? 
And then right after equinox, two days later, we move into the 13-day period of an Eastern energy, which is all about new beginnings, mm -hmm. the energy of exploring, which is all about regenerating things in a new way. That's Aquarian also. It's bringing in the future to what already exists, but doing without it. And that's coupled with Venus moving into the phase of transmutation, which is let the old die. Little deaths serve the rebirth of something better. So all of this culminating together is a really, really potent time. Yeah. And, and by looking at this and discussing it the way we are, we can see, guess what? There are no coincidences. <laughs> this is all, this is absolutely happening on purpose. Which takes us back to our favorite mag magnet on the refrigerator. No matter whether you believe it or not, the universe is unfolding exactly as it should too funny. You know, it's funny is that yesterday I was inspired uh, out of the blue to uh, download an audible book by Irvin Laszlo. And then uh, I ordered another book that's supposed to arrive today from Irvin Laszlo. And those books, uh, I mean, he, he speaks to these kind of quantum principles that, you know, defy that Newtonian physics that has dominated our thinking since, you know, the mid 1600s, 1500s. And um, it, it's turning the world upside down. Scientists don't even really, I mean, there are those scientists that are quantum scientists and they understand. Uh, then there are these other scientists that are so dug in that they just don't want to see that there's something more going on here. Um, because the, in the quantum, you can't always prove Right? There's not always the factoids that back up what's happening, but we can evidence it through what we see or we observe in, in uh, the outer world. So I think there is this big change that's going on. It's rippling through all the levels of society, through uh, our thoughts and our, our even our physical bodies, I think, are even in reaction to uh, or responding to some of these big changes. Uh, I want to say good morning real quickly to everybody out there and make sure that I'm actually online. I am. I just heard my voice repeated back to me. So let's just say a quick morning. Good morning to Asa. Thank you so much for being there in the background. And of course, as always, Pia and Colin are so happy to answer questions. So if you have questions, get them to Asa, who will let me know what they are. Good morning, JLo and Kathleen. Uh, and... Elisa JLo saying, yes, she's been the same way. I think that refers back to where we were saying time is like meaningless anymore. <laughs> My cats are up to hijinks behind me. <laughs> um, and Mimi, hello to you. Uh, Pauline Blenner, it's so good to see you. Amanda J, hello to you. Mimi says, spot on, sleeping well and staying rather tired. I would love to take a day or two to sleep as long as my body wishes. No can do with my cat farm. She has a lot of cats. So she understands when cats are flying around in my house here. Um, let's see, Pauline says, China does not do, in all of China, only Hawaii and Arizona does not in the US. They are very connected spiritually. Uh, yeah, I think it was self-preservation in Arizona. Who needs more daylight time when it's already hot as you know what there? Uh, Amanda J, we don't change our clocks for another week yet here in the UK. Uh, Christine, good morning. Pia, she says, good morning, Pia, Colin, and Janet, Asa, and all gathered here. I love it. Um, and let's see, Amanda says the UK is 28 days vacation per year. Now that's extraordinary. I think that's right up there. My husband has just in the last two years gotten his 
third week of vacation availability. And that's after working for 15 years for this company. Uh, Asa says, I used to live in the Netherlands and they do the same, 28 days vacation per year. And Amanda J says, it would be amazing if we could take the best from all countries, what works and use it worldwide. Uh, maybe that's what we're working towards, right? Hope so. Yeah, me too. So uh, let's go back to what you were talking about in terms of the energy for uh, the upcoming week or couple of weeks, actually, because I also noted that this morning when I was looking at the astrology's uh, energy for the weekend, but also setting the tone for the next month in terms of sun moving into Aries and the moon right now in Gemini, they, these two are just like so happy together. Um, and then Venus moving into Aries on Sunday. So from your point of view, there's also the Venus star point change. And tell us, tap us in a little bit more to what that means for all of us. Star point change happens on the 25th, which is Thursday next week. And that's when the circular movement of Venus in the sky that creates the star as she moves through the sky, mm -hmm. moves through the different astrological signs. And moving into Aries right at the time when the sun is in Aries is going to be a really potent motivator for action. Aries is all about action, which I'm sure you could speak to much more than I can. <laughs> all about action. And we've been vegetating somewhat with Gemini, with Venus and Gemini, because all we've been doing is talking about whatever's going on. Talk about the problems. Talk about what we hope for. Talk about what we want and dream of. But it's all been talk. Now Venus is going to move out of that phase of talking about it in Gemini straight into Aries where we can take action. And I think that actually addresses much of what you're talking about seeing, that you're, you're seeing happen already. Some of the things that, the movements that are moving forward. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. Ready for it. We've got nine and a half months of Venus and Aries. So let's, let's take action to make some changes in our world. Which, now, which, which okay. is coincidentally the entire rest of this year because we're we're yeah. two and a half months into the year so nine and a half more will take us to the brink takes us january 7th yeah to the brink of 2022 yeah. so we we've been talking for months about this year being filled with action as pia just said instead of just talking or ruminating about what might happen or what we want to happen this is the time to actually do something and be mm. more, I don't know, proactive, be more involved. And I think, I think we're gonna see massive changes in the rest of this year because of these influences. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. In, when I was uh, preparing for 2021, looking at all the astrology and the contacts planets and so forth we're going to make, I knew it was going to be very mind oriented, at least for I as I looked at it through April 23rd or so. But I wasn't looking necessarily at the Pleiadian calendar either. I can see now where there are these things that are changing us up to, you know, get us to that place of, of taking action. And it's extraordinary, I think, to see this change to move from the ideas and curiosities and the talking about to actually putting our words into action, right? Seeing it, you know, transition. And uh, with two, you know, inner powerful planets, the sun and Venus, both moving into Aries, we have um, like a double dose of pushing us over 
the edge a little bit toward <laughs> put, giving us that nudge in, into the action-oriented uh, phase. So I totally see that in astrology. And you mentioned, Pia, that we're coming into one exploring energy uh, as we finish up this, um, this round this week. Right. It starts, the exploring energy starts on the 22nd, which is two days after equinox. So it actually starts on Monday. And that exploring energy, I think it's so auspicious that it follows the equinox, the spring equinox with the spring energy and the, the sense of balance. And I also think it's very coincidental, not really, but very synchronous, <laughs> that the full moon is going to be in Libra which is all about balance. So we've got balance, balance and action just, just screaming at us. Let's do something here. Let's bring the world back into balance. Let's take action to do what we need to do to move back into balance. Exciting. What would that look like, a balanced world? <laughs> I don't know, but I know what it would feel like. <laughs> Wouldn't it feel peaceful? Yes. Full of joy. Yeah. Help. I, I think there's so much potential. I was just looking to see because I thought, uh, nope, I thought that was from Asa. It was not. I thought there was a question. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's something to be said about peace on the planet because it has been so not peaceful, so chaotic, so controversial. I mean, there's just been so much that uh, has taken us out of that sense of peace that has unbalanced us. And uh, I think we're all ready for that. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we actually all know what to do to make it that way. Any ideas from your end what that looks like? Well, I think I think letting go of, of so many habits, so many so many things that we have relied on as what we would probably call a safety net, uh, yeah. a place of feeling that, that we're okay or that we're safe. I think that has prevented us from moving out of, of our comfort zones and actually stretching ourselves into new possibilities. And by staying in a static place for so long, I mean, this has been a very, very long episode in human life. I think, I think since World War II, we've been in that, that progressive, scientific, go as far forward as you can. It doesn't matter whether what we're doing is good for us or not, but we're doing it for progress. We're doing it to make more money. We're doing it to, to, to create a false stability. We can look at our economy and see that our economies don't work but we've been clinging to those old systems of how we earn money, how the big picture looks, and it doesn't work. And I, I, think, I think these energies, I think these changes are gonna allow us to stretch ourselves and create new ways of doing things in a completely different way, stepping away from that false security that was never really a security net in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's something else relating to this, of what Colin just said and what you just said, that we can take advantage of in this 13-day period also. Exploring energy is largely about nourishing, nourishing whatever, honoring and exploring whatever nourishes you. And all these things that Colin's been addressing about fear-based 
ideology that has been governing our life that we need to let go of. If we turn with gratitude towards the things that truly nourish us, heart connection, home and heart, special spiritual family, beauty of the sky, you know, any of those things, soul and our body and our hearts, that's taking advantage of that energy. And when we fully embrace that, it's much easier to let go of the things that aren't working. So true. And, you know, there is in astrology, the each of the signs rule a body or a body part. So when we look at Aries, Aries energy really is about the body itself. And as a as a temple or as a vehicle to move us through, I mean, housing the spirit to move us through life. And so one of the things I think that we could say is to come back into your body, <laughs> be here on the ground, right, with, uh, you know, your purpose and, and, and with love and, and just being in the body to uh, ground sort of the new energies. We can't ground them in when we're all floating around um, and not doing the steps that it takes to bring it in. I, I think that's an incredibly important point. People, people have stepped away from body wisdom mm -hmm. for a very long time. You, you know, staying up too late with, with artificial light, um, do, mm -hmm. doing things that, that really aren't good for the body, but seem like we'll get more accomplished or we'll get further ahead in business or in, in whatever endeavor we're, we're working with doing things that, that simply are anti-life. We've been doing that for far too long. And by becoming more involved with balance, which brings us back again to something we've talked about on your show for a very long time, coming back to nature. Yay! Coming back to nature is so important. And fire signs do love nature. I mean, that's a, a natural um, energy. We have a question from Pauline. Oh, hold on. That didn't, there we go. Is the COVID shot helping the body, especially spiritually? Am I missing doing prevention and vibrational medicine, such as scalar light? You want to answer that, Janet? I don't know that you want us to go into that. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I have yet to come down on one side or the other with that COVID vaccine. Uh, um, I wouldn't know what to say. I would say each person is on their own soul journey and each yeah. person will follow their heart and their own belief system about what they feel is best for them. That would be my first statement. My second statement would be as a medical researcher and a PhD, the evidence proves that this shot is not preventative of COVID-19 and that it is harmful to the physical body. So if you're going to make up your own mind about what to do, please investigate all of the facts. Don't brush things aside as just conspiracy theories. Listen to what the doctors are saying. Listen to the reports of the vaccine that's been stopped in Europe because it was causing stroke and blood clots and death. Listen to the reports of the people who are dying in nursing homes because they can't even get to round two of the vaccine. It's you know, they take one and they're supposed to get another one in two weeks and they die after the first dose. Listen to those reports mm. and then make your decision. And if your heart still tells you, this is what I don't want to do, then that's your karmic path and that's what you're supposed to follow. But make sure you know everything before you do that. 
Yeah, we, we, we have a tremendous amount of research that we've been involved with. And Pia is absolutely right. It's an individual choice, but there is so much information against the advocacy of taking any of the vaccines. There are three predominant ones available now, depending on which country one lives in. And the information that's available to everybody is not looking very good about how and why it's important to be vaccinated. It's also important to consider what you want to put into your body. All vaccines have aluminum in them. Aluminum is toxic. All vaccines have mercury. Mercury is a killing agent. All vaccines have aborted fetal tissue in them. So, you know, think about what you want to put in your body. You're trying to promote a living vehicle for your soul. And if you put these things in that go against your beliefs or your feelings, or it doesn't feel right to you, your body's telling you something. Yeah. I don't know, because just as much evidence as you're saying on the side of negative is the positive scientifics or that we hear from this, from the, so I almost view this as a split between the masculine and the feminine, you know, that there's this one body of evidence against the shots and against the vaccine, you know, being vaccinated. Then there's the other body of evidence that, that I even see in my own family, people have gotten the vaccine and they're doing fine and they're excited because they actually can get back their lives. These are older people that had not been able to go out. Um, so you, you see personal evidence of people who've had it that are fine and doing fine. And then you hear these you know, stories of people who have the blood clots. I think it was the AstraZeneca, um, Right. Vaccine. That was the problem. And, and then I was almost horrified yesterday when I heard that the U.S. is sending excess AstraZeneca shots, uh, vaccines to Mexico and Canada. And I'm like, what? what? I mean, we can't even get everybody vaccinated here. So is there something wrong with that vaccine? So then that starts me, you know, thinking about, well, is there something more going on here? Well, so, bottom, yeah, I, I mean, I think it bears, you know, all of us coming back into our own bodies and using our body wisdom to make those decisions. And the bottom line to that is look and see who's funding the research. That's how you'll find out which side is giving you the facts that you need to know. Look at how do you find that out, Pia? Because I, I've thought of that before and sort of started on a search and ended up blocked, it seemed like, at every pathway. Anytime you find a scientific study, it will tell you about the funding, who's funding about it. Look in the abstracts. So the abstracts. Will, look in the abstracts and it will show you where the funding is or a contact person that you can contact and find out who's funding this research. I can tell you personally that we have a neighbor here where we live who works for the manufacturer of vaccines in this country and he and his family won't take it. In your country or in our country? Here, here where, here, we, where are, we live, in Europe. Yeah. He and his family, do. he works for the company, but he says, my family will not take it. Mm. But, you know, so I don't, I didn't ask him to explore any more than that because I didn't want to make him uncomfortable, but it's worthy of looking to see who's putting out the research that you're watching, who's paying for that research. Then you can have a better feeling about what's true. And as you said, originally, listening to your body is the most important part. Yeah. yeah. 
But Pia, but Pia is really accurate about following the money. People have talked about this for years. If, if you find out who is funding something, and it, it could be anything, it doesn't have to be vaccinations. It, it could be an agricultural product. It could be another pharmaceutical product besides the, the COVID vaccines. If you follow the money and find the source of who is promoting something, it can be entirely enlightening because mm -hmm. it comes down to a very few people who have a very large amount of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I think that's very true. Um, and I think you're right. Everybody has to make that decision for themselves. I mean, I don't even get flu vaccine. So why would I get the COVID vaccine? Exactly. Our bodies I mean, are amazing, amazing miracle machines that can take something that we are affronted with and say, okay, I'm going to take you down to clear this out for a week and then you'll be immunized. We are our own immunization. We don't need a vaccine to do it. And besides that, if they haven't found a vaccine for the common cold, what makes us think that a vaccine for another virus will be effective? These are viruses. If they can't vaccine for the common cold, how are they vaccinating for something they've only been studying for a year? Well, simply because the cold virus mutates and changes and becomes something different. So as soon as you would think of having a vaccine for one, it's mutated into another. And I think that's the same thing that the COVID virus, we've already seen the evidence that it's doing, is it's mutating and changing. So is the, the, the vaccine that was developed, you know, beginning last, what was it, December, November, they were starting to work on this, was that, you know, uh, something that was going to work on these, you know, changed viruses now. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's kind of a rabbit hole, I think, if you start going down into it. So yeah. Follow your own guidance, follow your doctor, your, your body, your intuition. Um, yep. I, I suspect that that doctors are going to tell you, take it, get it. So maybe no, don't necessarily, you, you've got to use your own guidance, plain and yes. simple. Absolutely. Yep, Absolutely. Plain and simple. I know I have a, a checkup next month and I just know that my doctor is going to do this, get dance around getting uh, the virus or getting the, the vaccine. And so I've already been thinking about now, what am I going to say to that? I'm going to say, I'll just, when I decide, I'll let you know. <laughs> because at this point, I haven't made that decision. I just feel like, I just, I personally feel like it's not necessary for me. Yeah. That's and that's the best, that is absolutely the best standpoint. It has to be individual yeah. and it has to be. It just has to come from our, our inner resources. It has to come from intuition and what our heart tells us to do, not what our mind tells us to do, because our mind will say, well, science says this is the right thing to do. This is the right avenue to follow. And we all know that science is not always right. So we, we, just, have to, we just have to rely on what we feel and what we know inside. And yeah. I think that's... That's the simple answer. And there's That's no judgment. Definitely. No judgment on this either. If people make a decision that is right for them, we have to honor their path and their decision, as we would ask them to honor our path and our decisions for ourselves. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not going to go running out there in the world and just expose myself to every um, sick person either. I think overall, 
you know, there's a, there's signs that we are actually getting healthier this way when we have, you know, our immune system strong and able to re react as it's meant to do to the, the different uh, toxins or viruses or bacteria out there. So as you said, uh, Pia, you know, we've adapted, our, our bodies are adapted to, to dealing with these viruses. Well, there's been a piece of research that's been valid and known for probably 50 years. And that is that mothers that allow their children to play in the dirt, maybe make mud pies and take a bite, you know, play with other children without any other, anything except just being in the environment. Those children grow up with stronger immune systems than mothers who wash your hands, don't touch that, that's dirty, and try to keep them protected from the germs in the world that set of children grow up with poor immune systems and get sick. Yeah. So that's evident that our bodies are wise machines that know how to create our own immunity to whatever we're exposed to. Otherwise, why would we be here on a planet where yeah. these little things can take us out? And, and that's not to say that people haven't died from COVID, uh, but people yeah. die from the flu as well. People die from pneumonias and uh, all kinds of different things crossing the street. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it definitely personal decision. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> it could be such a, a, a great subject when we're, when we're more aware of our own power in this. And I think that's the real, the real thing, isn't it? It's about our own personal power. Yes. Absolutely. It is. Not following what somebody else tells you to do, but doing what your body and your heart tell you is right for you following your own sovereign choice. And, Absolutely. And yeah. this, in a stepping stepping away maybe from this discussion, as you just suggested, <laughs> this has to do with everything in life, not just the topic of of viruses, but in every aspect of what we do, who we are is simply taking our sovereignty very very seriously, and making decisions that are not only best for us, but in the long run, best for everyone else. So all we have to do is simply be quiet, simply listen, and our intuition and our hearts will lead us in the best possible adventure that we're in on this planet together. Yeah. I just remembered what the name of the book was that I downloaded. It's called Reconnecting to the Source. Yes. And I think that is the real key for every human here is that we disconnected ourselves from and maybe not even knowing that we've done that, but our the way that we, life is developed here in the planet on the planet, it has disconnected us from the source. And even, you know, people say, oh, no, but there are religions, but religions disconnect you from the source. As much as you think that they would be bringing you to source, they're actually supporting you looking outside of yourself for your power uh, and not looking from within and not knowing that you, as you say, I, that the word sovereign drives me crazy because it sounds like kings and queens to me. But in, in a way, your own power, your own individuality comes when you find your own connection to source and not looking outside of yourself for that. So well, even looking at, you know, science has replaced God in some respects. And, and well, well, uh, you know, 
Go directly to source yourself. Don't yeah. let religion be the middleman. Exactly. And and that's the, that's the other case is right. We're, we're still humans on the planet, still looking outside of ourselves all the time for validation or for um, knowledge, for power. And literally, there's a gate in our human design. It's called the gate 48 or it's gate 48, but it's called the well. And uh, that's from the I Ching, actually, the name comes from the I Ching. And it's a gate that reminds us that deep within us, or maybe not even that deep, but in us is everything we need, that we are whole and we are complete and we are able to connect and find information, if you will, uh, without having to go outside of ourselves for that. So that gate sometimes is it sits on the spleen, which is a survival energy. So sometimes it trips over into fear and the fear becomes inadequacy. Like, I'm not good enough. I don't know this. I need to go looking for those answers instead of paying attention to what your own wisdom was telling you in the beginning, which is whatever it was telling you. Yep. That, that's, that's an entirely big subject. And <laughs> one thing that science has done to us through creating specialization and through specialization, there have become experts in all of these separate fields that make people think, I don't know enough. I have to ask an expert in this field to tell me the truth about what I'm searching for, what I need to know. And so what you're talking about is intrinsically part of the scientific paradigm of there's always someone else out there within the field of science who knows more than I do. And if I don't know it, if I can't figure it out, I must go to someone, ask them, and they will tell me. But the trouble is what they're telling me is either their opinion or an outdated fact that's no longer really the truth because the truth is always the same, but facts change every time someone figures out a new way or a new system. So it's entirely important to rely on looking at ourselves, as you just said, and focusing on, well, maybe I know more than I think I know. And that's where the body yeah. was in because the body wisdom is all about truth where the mind is about facts. Yeah, indeed. And then the, that the mind is actually not a place of making decisions. It's only about awareness. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well yes. said, Janet. That's yeah. super important because people think the mind is the guiding energy or the guiding organizational part of us. And it's not. It's the heart. It's that's the problem, right? Yes. On the planet is that we've been dependent on this. Uh, what's you know from the neck up, and in human design, what we say is all the decision making is from the 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 throat down or from the neck down. There's no decision making capacity uh, above your head. Uh, only the ability to gather wisdom or facts or figures or information, inspiration, and ideas. None of which tells you what to take action on because that's not where the action takes place. Yes. It's yep. like the, 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 the computer part, you know, where we go to the computer or we go to uh, the library for information, which also reminds me the book that I bought that's supposed to arrive today is about the Akashic records or the Akasha. And 
there's a very sacredness to that. That I think is when, when we, we talk about the I Ching and this idea of this deep well of knowledge, I feel like that is our connection to all knowledge that is residing in the Akashic records. And we all have access to that. That was the, that's the key here. The, um, the ability that we have to get information from true source and not from CNN or Fox News or all that, right? So, and and the point the point that you're bringing up and you're talking about is directness. Mm -hmm. We can do it directly, simply by being who we are and looking at the Akashic records, which you said we're all able to do, of course, but it's direct. It's the same thing as talking about religion and having to go through an intercessor to be able to bring the knowledge of God to us. Mm. We can do that directly and doing something direct is the simplest way. Yeah, and but where did we along the way learn to distrust that within ourselves. That's that's another question that, you know, comes up. When did we begin to believe in the outside being correct, more correct than what's on the inside? And I, I see that happening like somewhere right around, you know, the dawn of reason, the, when the I, I maybe the 1600, maybe 14, 1500s, even far back as that, where the heart split and we individuated and yeah so there's something that that separation and division brought to us it's a good point but i'd take it further back than that how far would you take it back well i would take it back to when the divine feminine was pushed aside and the patriarchy began because the divine feminine always balanced divine masculine divine feminine keeping the world in balance when the patriarchy started putting the women aside and saying you have no value and the patriarchy took over, the mind-heart split began. That's what I would say. What would you say? Well, I would agree with that completely, but I think it's much, much older. Um, I, I've, I've talked about this and written about this for years, and many people would disbelieve what I'm going to say, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Say it. We're open-minded. <laughs> I, I think it actually happened 10,000 years ago. I think with, with the advent of controlling nature through herding animals, mm. creating cities, locking up food, when, when everybody could eat whatever they wanted until somebody decided that if they locked up food and charged people for access to food or access to whatever commodity it might be. I think all of that happened about 10,000 years ago. And I agree with Pia. I think that's when the split of the divine feminine and the divine masculine went totally awry. So I think this has been going on for a very, very long time. You know, there, uh, <laughs> I love to watch shows like Ancient Aliens. I mean, that that show just blows my mind because, you know, they bring things like what you're saying there, uh, Colin, to the surface because they've unearthed archaeologically um, civilizations that predate the time that we believe that humanity became modern or civilized. 
like Gobekli Tepe and uh, uh, even now they're experiencing, they're finding more and more in Croatia and those kinds of countries that take it this way back. And it's almost like there's no record of it, like something happened, maybe it was something, you know, traumatic or catastrophic that happened on the planet that created this. But after there seems to that dividing point between the feminine or the uh, matriarchal lineages to the patriarchal. And maybe it was just, um, well, Carl Kalman might call this where uh, the energy of evolution bridged us into a new experience from the matriarchy to the patriarchy. And now we're at the cusp of bringing this back, not to a matriarchy, but to a more balanced idea of what that means to be masculine and feminine. How do we balance all of that energy? Yep, I think that's really accurate. My my background is in anthropology and archaeology, and everything everything I learned 50 years ago when I was a student is no longer true. About <laughs> what what we have discovered, as you just explained about societies and cultures that were here so long ago, but we dated them to only, you know, Egypt, pre-Egypt, yes, pre-Sumer, pre -Sumer. many of these things that we decided through carbon dating or other means that were only 3,000 years old, 5,000 years old, now the new facts that, that are being discovered are saying maybe they're 20,000 years old, maybe they're 40,000 years old, maybe they're 100,000 years old. So that is part of the evolution of realizing that we don't know as much as we think we knew. And you spent all that money on that education. <laughs> <laughs> I, look back, I look back and I think, boy, I could have been traveling or I could have been doing something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would never undervalue education, but uh, I think, you know, in some respects, sometimes education pigeonholes us into believing certain sets of facts and figures and, and uh, we actually feel that travel is the, the best form of education and it doesn't require getting a degree. It just yeah. requires keeping your heart and your eyes open. You know, and you're right. It, the way that I think about, you know, early man or early humankind is that we were very mobile and nomadic almost in that we were following, um, you know, where the crops were growing. We were seasonally, you know, in the place that was going to be more tolerable for us to survive. And, you know, we'd spend, you know, our time hunter, hunting and gathering kind of, of um, now, which also took us into interaction with other tribes or other communities. Uh, now we don't have that so much when we travel you, you're not really interacting so much. You're going to see things, right? The pyramids, or you're going to see the Eiffel Tower, or you're going to, you know, go see Stonehenge. But are you really interacting with the history there, or the people there? So, in a way, uh, we've gotten too large, too complex, mm -hmm. and going back to a simpler time, a simpler way of being, uh, might actually serve us better <laughs> than all this complexity. Absolutely. That, that's that's why I said direct and simple, because it really yeah. makes more sense. It really, it truly does. Mm. What you said a moment ago, 
is, is absolutely important. What, what those nomadic tribes were doing was listening to nature and they knew where to go, when to go, why to go and how to go because they were connected to nature. They, they had were in not, their bodies. <laughs> that's, absolutely. They, they had not become disconnected to that, that natural cycle of life. And we don't, we're not, I mean, this is a subject we could talk about for days. We're no longer connected to the natural cycles of life, both planetary and personal. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why we're so screwed up at this point. <laughs> Well, you know, you think about, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been in California. Well, you were, you were born in California. So you always heard, I'm sure about the Capistrano, the swallows returning to Capistrano on March 17th every year, just like clockwork. Well, they don't have a calendar, <laughs> right? They don't have a calendar. So how is it that every year without fail, the swallows return to Capistrano on March 17th? Or why is it, you know, here where I live, the, the trumpeter swans and the snow geese, they, they arrive in October. And I swear, overnight, sometime in April, they disappear. They're gone. Where'd they go? Well, they have some inner clock, some, some inner working that is telling them it's time to go. It's time to move. Yep. Yep. We had it. We had it. And we lost it. Or did we, or di did we just swallow it up in mindness, mindedness? Okay, that's that's another two or three day discussion. <laughs> what we did, from my point of view, is we gave that up. We traded it for what we thought was enlightenment through science. Oh, yeah. The age I of enlightenment. When when the industrial revolution began 300 years ago that is when we really truly stepped away from nature it we decided that machines were more important than nature and we've have followed that paradigm for 300 years and that is why we are so distant so disconnected from nature although i do like my flushing toilet and you know <laughs> hot water with just the turn of the knob i mean uh, all, all of that. I mean, so, you know, it's not that there isn't any value in the things that science brought us, but I think it caused us to overly depend upon it. And then that muscle of intuition or instinct uh, went, went soft, right? Went kind of, you know, underground. So the process that we can put ourselves through now might be to reinstate that, to remember how powerful uh, that inner voice is and and that inner workings of of just plain knowingness like yes. knowing yes yes i was and, having and... a who was i having a conversation with it was about oh it was with my son my youngest son very intelligent this kid is with it but he's very is it right brained because he's very logical and he sees things in rather black and white ways and I'm like, but you're missing the whole other side, this whole, this whole, whole possibility of emotion. And he goes, oh, mom, you're so emotional. I went, here we go. Here we go. Right. The whole, and I, I didn't even, I didn't even attempt to explain to him that we are in the evolution of our solar plexus, which is bringing us into more emotional 
intelligence and releasing us from that logical mind, or at least bringing those things into balance, because that's another thing, we're totally out of balance, way mind dependent, ignoring intuition, ignoring emotions, or suppressing emotions, or barfing them up all over everybody. <laughs> well said. Yeah. So that that brings us back, Janet. <laughs> that brings us back to the very beginning of this discussion uh. about all of these astrological aspects, all of these astrological possibilities that are now available right now in this year of 2021. Hopefully, and I mean sincerely, hopefully, those possibilities maybe will bring us back to what the balance that we're seeking will will show us. I think I think this year is going to help us absolutely not move backwards in a in a looking for normalcy. That's never going to happen. Right. But but it will allow us to see and feel and do something with the balance that we can achieve now with all of these astrological elements. And that's that's the positiveness that I see about what's happening right now. Well, we're sure getting a good start on it with equinox and balance. And then at the end of the 13 day period, we've got the full moon in Libra, which is balance. Yeah. We've really auspicious time here to soak in these energies and be assertive with how we use them positively. Yep. So yeah. we're almost out of time. I would like to hear what you want to talk about <laughs> well, we did well, talk about what I wanted to talk about, uh, mostly things like Aries energy that is about to impact us in a very big way. I love the idea that Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. So it's really a truer, naturally uh, in rhythm of, of cycles of time uh, as a new beginning, because it's the start of the of the zodiac. And zero degrees Aries is the new beginning. It's the new beginning of all new beginnings. So we can really be tapped into what is possible, right? What more is possible? It is a body first kind of energy. And that really came home to me um, a few days back when I was doing some human design study. And I realized that so many times we disconnect from the body. So we have this opportunity facing us right now to get back in our bodies. It is a sign of impulsiveness. So there is that tendency to act first and think later. And maybe sometimes that's a good thing, right? Getting us <laughs> out of our head and back into the motors. The motors, by the way, in human design are in the lower parts of the body, the sacral, the root center, the solar plexus, and the, the uh, will center or the ego or heart center, we call it. Um, there's courage and bravery here. Aries is a sign that dares to do things, that risks kind of seeming innocent or being foolish to get out there and to do something different, to break up encrusted energy. It's pioneering. It does have an inventive streak, although not inventive, sort of like Aquarius, but uh, more inventive along, hmm, I wonder if I take this rock and I put it on top of this rock, what that would do kind of thing and, and daring to do those kinds of things. They're plucky, bold, innocent, but charming and uh, unjaded by life, right? Innocence, that innocence, unjaded. So maybe we could all just put all of our beliefs and all of our, our opinions on the shelf for a while 
and just be open and childlike and view the world through eyes of wonder and awe instead of uh, thinking that we know it all and that it can only work in one way. Uh, so becoming more open. And then you add Venus now to Aries on Sunday, the 21st. And Venus, in more in the sense of how it affects us as human beings in our relationships, becomes more flirty, uh, more daring and more direct in relationship and actually more truthful, I would say, in in uh, and how they're interacting with people. All of us are going to be affected by this, even if you don't have your natal Venus in Aries you will be affected by this because Venus is passing through wherever Aries is in your chart, which gives you access to this kind of uh, energy of passion and uh, sort of flair for living your life your own way. And this is a time for us to get active, to be in our bodies and to use uh, our feet, our legs, our, our hips and our arms and our you know hands and everything but your head. <laughs> you could still use your head. It's part of the body, but which does, doesn't that drive you crazy? Like in insurance, when you go to the doctor, you can't have the doctor talk to you about your eyes because that's a separate kind of insurance or your teeth. Like those things don't belong in your body. It just drives me crazy. Anyway, <laughs> this is uh, Venus and Aries loves the chase. So what are we chasing after? Right? Is it fun? Is it playful? Because this is a time for us to reconnect to that more playful kind of energy. Now, Gemini is still highly activated here, even though the Venus star point is changing over to Aries, the moon is in Gemini as the spring equinox comes into play. So if you want to think of this as background, or what do you call it, overtones or overlighting energy of the of the one of, of a Pleiadian week? Well, the same thing here, the, the dynamics that are in play at the time of a season change, um, bring us that energy sort of in the background throughout the whole of this time. So we've got the moon in Gemini, very mind oriented, but very curious and information oriented. But now we have the sun in Aries as well, and Venus in Aries pretty much right on the dime right now, and bringing us action married to ideas and inspiration. So I think we have a season then that we can look at that is going to be highly active, moving forward, taking steps, moving out of the head and idea realm and into the physical fire realm, into the, the doing, the transmuting energy. That's great because you said Venus is moving into transmutation phase. Yes, perfect. Yep, perfect, perfect. And then when we look at our human designs, I did, I'm going to share the chart just for a brief time here because I know we are getting to the end of the hour, but here we go. Is everybody seeing the screen? Are you guys seeing the screen? Okay, good. Uh, so as we move into today, actually the 19th today, we are in the halfway point of the first quarter of the human design year, which is the season of seeding. So we're now at a halfway point through the seeding processes of what will come. So we're starting to see the seed pop up, right? The, the, the germination of the seed and we're starting to see the seedling, right? The beginning of uh, the potential, the potential for what could happen, for what could be, for um, how we can you know, uh, approach things in a new way. And in human design, when we reach those halfway points, we come to gates of love. And those are direction 
finders, if you will, direction oriented uh, energies because they sit on the the identity center. So it magnetizes um, energies to come to us that are going to propel us in the direction of our next steps in our evolution and growth. So the sun sitting here now at the gate of spirit. This is a gate on the identity center that joins with the gate of the heart center to heal the split between us, right? Between the things that divide us, uh, between the things that divide us in our own selves, but also between each other. So remembering here that we're divine and that we have to trust that everything is working in divine order, even if it is upheaval, even if it doesn't feel good or look good at the moment. Um, all of this is in service to the divine. And then in the gene keys, when we look at the gate 25 in the shadow energy, it's constriction where we shut things down. So this gives us this opportunity for a heart opening. Just feel the difference when you move your shoulders back and allow your chest to expand versus when you're hunched over and crunched down, you're constricting versus expanding. The gift is acceptance and universal love is the highest expression. Now the earth is the one that brings up the challenge. We're sitting here on the earth. So it, earth is always going to show us what we have to have taken care of before we can actually engage the energy of spirit. And what is it? Being in the body. We have to be in the body to carry out our soul's mission to combine and join together soul and uh, body, so physical and spiritual. When we are in the shadow, we're being too serious. Everything is serious. In the gift, it's delight and ecstasy in the city. I mean, this is a week, y'all, that is so impressive in terms of how we can change the direction that we're moving in our lives. So. I say, go out and play. I say, go out and do it. Find what's lovely, joyful, pleasant, beautiful, extraordinary, uh, life-changing, and live it, love it, laugh with it. What do you guys say? Ditto. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you, too, for joining me this morning. Again, Pia and Colin, you can get their calendar. I'm sure it's still available if you haven't yet, the 2021 Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar. It is an 18-month calendar, so this takes us all the way up through, what is it, July of 2022, June of 2022, which I'm already working on is in an almanac. So the energies of 2022 are already starting to birth by your calendar going that far. Uh, everybody take care. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you all on Monday. Much love to everybody. Bye for now.